There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Packmaster Ralph W. Basham, MD. Alex Bernard Rasmussen, co host Catherine Brandt. And Andy Rampernard. We'll be right back to kick things off with the family. Kick. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. The Aerosmith version, because they forgot to put the lower bass end on it, which ruins it. Yeah. Uh, One thing I can guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, is that Colin Kaepernick will never see the NFL again. You know how I know that? Why is that? Well, there's no talent besides that. Because the NFL commissioner says, I welcome a team signing Colin Kaepernick. The only reason he'd say that is he knows he's not coming back. So I... I I thought they demanded that he gets a spot at uh, George Floyd's one of his funerals. Well... Good demanding a spot for a guy who has no talent and is a complete psychopath might be a problem. Uh, some people weren't thrilled that Roger Goodell's recent statement condemning racism and police brutality never brought up Colin Kaepernick. 
the quarterback who started that conversation in the NFL by kneeling as the national anthem played before games. Finally, Goodell is directly addressing the man whose name he neglected to utter. In an interview Monday, yesterday, with Mike Greenberg on ESPN, the league's commissioner said that although the ultimate decision on whether to sign Kaepernick a free agent since 2007 isn't up to him, he's all for it. Listen, if he wants to resume his career in the NFL, then obviously it's going to take a team to make that decision. But I welcome that, support a club making that decision, and encourage him to do that. In other words, good, he's gone for good and he'll never be back. Mm. Colin Kaepernick is nuts. He's been offered jobs before. He wouldn't take a job as a backup quarterback and then earn the starting job. He also wouldn't take a quarterback spot at the AFL he wanted $20 million in a fledgling league, a fledgling league which was never, he, he knew it was never going to happen. He doesn't want to come back to the NFL. He wants to be a martyr. That's I, what he wants. I wonder if he's making more money not being a quarterback. Oh, yeah. He what makes is it, a lot what, are of they, money. Are they hiring him for speeches and such? Or? Nike gave him a ton of money. Oh, it's all go. those people. Okay. All right. Look, Colin Kaepernick sucked. He was okay for about a season and a half, and after that he was terrible. He's a huge sugar tit. <laughs> All the way. You know what I love about guys like Colin Kaepernick? No. Barack Obama, Colin Kaepernick, and get on the list. All the all the black guys that are experts on what it's all about to be black grew up in white households. I just <laughs> I love that. Isn't that hilarious? Kaepernick was adopted by a white couple. Yep. Barack oh. Obama was raised by his his mother's parents. They were both white, so they're experts on what the on the black experience. I'm staying out of it. <laughs> eh, whatever. I just... <laughs> I, if I were black, I would tell Colin Kaepernick, why don't you just go away and let us do this? You know what I mean? Go away. You're, you're in yeah. the way. You're trying to get all the attention. Just go away. <laughs> we, got, we got business here. And I'll close with this. I talked to JB on the air today. JB. There is a, a statue of Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. freeing a slave. The slave's chains are broken. He is still down. But it's, the chains on his arms are broken. Yeah, I've seen that statue. And Abraham Lincoln's got his right hand like this and his left hand like this, right? The guy's head is like, say, right here. Okay. But you can take a picture, and there, it's on the Internet, you can see it, where you take the angle, it looks like he's patting him on the head. It looks like his hand's over here because mm. of the angle at which they took the picture. And they're sending that. Oh, look! Here, here's Abraham Lincoln patting a slave on the head. It's not true in the least. Like I said, just take it all down. Take every statue I know, take down. Take everything no more statues down. Statues at all. Keep Mary Tyler Moore, but everything else. Mary Tyler yeah. Moore with yeah. the tan. You can have a horse or a giraffe or. There were no black people on Mary Tyler Moore show. There yeah, weren't. Way to go, Catherine. Were there? I don't think so. Let me think. There was. There was probably that not back there. in those days. Probably not. Oh, there, no, get that not. tag. We'll have to pull that down. I, I don't remember. Let's, let's pull it down. Let's be, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Get rid of that. Yeah. No, I think uh, basically uh, All in the Family was one of the first shows that ever had a regular black uh, appearances, and then they got their own. Uh, when own was Nurse series. Julia or whatever? Oh, that was good. Yeah, Julie. She, Julia. Um, she was on early days. Yeah, she was. That was what, what was her name again? God, what was that? It was a good show. Not, not Deborah. Was, no idea. What Leslie Uggams. No, that's No, it wasn't Leslie Uggams. It was not Leslie Uggams. It's that era, Diane though. Carroll. Diane Carroll. Diane, yes. She was terrific in it. Wow, what a pretty woman, too. Yes, very pretty. But, uh, no, it's just... I, I. So explain to me. The reason I brought any of this stuff up was I don't understand something. 
Why do you take great joy out of taking a picture that is a flat-out lie just to upset people? Because that's what people are doing right now. But it's why just, do you want everyone upset? I don't get it. Because that's just the nature of the world right now. Mad people are easy to control and Absolutely. manipulate. Absolutely. Get people upset, spread false lies. Like I was talking to you about yesterday. I'm Homeland, the show, yes. was so amazing for the first few years. Then it sucked for a couple of years. And then season six is just like a reflection of what's happening right now. Oh, really? It's just amazing. It's amazing. And, you know, it's, it's just you get those, get those mobs riled up, and it's a lot of power because the mob, everybody fears a mob. Yep. No, I'm telling And JB, when he was on the phone, he goes, how can you not see he's patting him on the head? I'm looking at the picture right now. I said, JB, I'm looking at six pictures. His hand is nowhere near his head. And then they sent me the picture, and it looks like he's going like patting him on the head with his left hand. This is why I unironically say burn all social media. <laughs> and it is time. Go to their headquarters, it is time. burn everything, torch them to ash. <laughs> they are yeah, ruining the world. Somebody else will start it up again. Seriously, oh. social media is destroying the earth because it's put everybody in a horrible mood. You know that uh, America and the world in general is in the worst mood they've been in in fifth, over 50 years. Oh, God, yeah, you it. can feel it walking down the street. Oh, you can, absolutely. Yeah, it's ter- it is. It's sad. I just I don't know why people just want everybody else to be. I, I, and I, Again, that's the, that, that mindset. I don't. Why do you like making people angry? I don't get that. Like I said, there's a lot nope. of power in that. And and that and uh, the that uh, social media was responsible for you know uh, showing all the executions in the Middle East and all that sort of stuff and yep. recruiting people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Social media was and they said, "Oh, we can't take those down. It would be too hard." You know, to have that stuff even up me was odd. Yeah, it's bizarre. Why? Why would you have that? Why? You have nobody looking at this stuff. You can put anything up there. I know. So yeah, social. I agree with you uh, that uh, get it down, Andy. Burn it up. Yeah. No, Get everybody I, out first. We, Take all the people out first. Well, so not they can all be, of them. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'd be fine well, either way. <laughs> oh, you don't. Well, you're all evil. That's all the problem. So Fani was over this morning. She told me, you know, you're, you, you know, you're painting your house. Yep. She told me that you're painting it such a bright blue that you can't even look at it. Well, <laughs> she said your house is so bright blue you can't look at it. Well, there's Fawny. It's just so bright, I can't even look at it. There's Fawny right there. It's so bright, I can't even look at it. My God. Like I said, uh, and she's four. This is the world we're living in. Four-year-olds are running the world right now. The way they act, it's like so bright, making little. such a big deal I about nothing, carrying on, making stuff up. <laughs> and it's like navy-ish, she's four. <laughs> navy-ish blue. It's not bright at all. Not bright at all. And what's the average intellectual capacity of, um, of the population? I don't know. Is, it seems like it's about three and a half. Yeah, maybe. well, real. it acts like three, but it's not. It's not a uh, third uh, college level degree. No, you know. So, well, d- d- a degree doesn't make you smart. This is true. Oh, it, well, makes, I, it makes you obedient. Yeah, in a lot of well, ways, it's true. Andy, well, it's true. Andy makes me obedient. Oh, and Andy. Oh. Well, it depends on the degree. I, su- I should say. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the degree. And the person, of course. And the person, of course, the intellect, of course. An MD is a little different than an associate's in, you know, basket weaving. Right. Basket weaving. Well, we had some discussion about that the other day because somebody asked me my IQ, and I told them, they said, what? And I said, first of all, that doesn't, it just means you have the ability to learn is all it means. It doesn't mean you've gathered all that information and knowledge. It just means you can if you would. 
So everybody thinks your IQ make, it means you're really smart. It just it means you could be smart. You have the ability to be smart. Doesn't mean you are. Well, I know a lot of smart yeah, people that act really dumb. Yeah, well, they or they act ignorant. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, you, it's you have the ability to become educated. Yes. Right. At whatever you want to do and and do well at whatever you want Correct. to do, rather than being ignorant. And there's a lot of smart people who are ignorant. Right. There are a lot of smart people who are ignorant. You're absolutely right. Ignorance about is bliss, man. It is. No, I like it. Not around me. It's not. <laughs> Your ignorance and other people. Your ignorance is not my bliss. How about that? <laughs> well, I, we reported some stories on the morning show this morning. It's like, how did you? There was a young woman. I believe she was like 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, cops pulled her over for erratic driving. Uh, found out she had been drinking behind the wheel. Uh, she was behind the wheel after drinking. 20 years old. Gets out of the car. She's not wearing any pants. <laughs> well, who needs pants? So she's naked from the waist down, 20 years old, drunk driving. Well. So how many bad decisions did you make today there, sister? <laughs> you got any more you want to make? When did they stay? What time of the day did they start? 8 a.m.? There was, there was a news thing about an Asian airline. Some Asian woman got on the plane. She was so drunk. She was so upset because her boyfriend broke up with her that she started smashing one of the windows, and it broke. They had to land the airplane. On the airplane? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a little dangerous. Yeah. I mean... It's a little dangerous. What the hell? I feel like flight attendants should have, like... Tasers, darts. Yeah, for real. Like if somebody's literally like losing their mind, yeah, just like we're gonna we're gonna get to our destination. You'll just sleep right through. Drop like a rhino. (laughs) Oh, you brought the lemon one. You didn't bring me one. Do you like the lemon jello? I haven't had one yet. I heard they're uh, great. Listen, I think it's our new favorite one. Well, it's only at Costco. No, No, it's also a tub. Oh, really? They have another seen it anywhere. Cub. And so does Fresh Time. Fresh Time has it, too. We had to get some because I haven't had it yet. We do have to take a break. Be right back. We have a special guest coming up next with the family. Tom Bernard here, and here with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website about a customer near where I grew up, North Minneapolis. They were specifically looking for a community bank. That's right, Tommy. Prestige Products. They had been with another community bank, but when their bank was acquired by a large regional bank, the owner felt like they were just seeing his business for the numbers on the page and not really understanding his long-term plans. So he met with a number of community banks in the area, including us. Luke at our branch in Shoreview met with the owner, they hit it off, and Prestige Products chose to work with us. Incidentally, their favorite part of working with Luke is that he gets excited about the same things that are important to them. Having a clear understanding of your long-term goals makes for a great relationship and our difference maker for your business. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. 2020 never looks so good. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With 2020 upon us, it's time to ditch the contacts and pitch the glasses. Take it from me. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself in the new year. I've never looked back from having LASIK myself, and with Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, you can trust you're amongst the best in the business. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, 
just like they did for me. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. Imagine 2020 or better in 2020. And let 2020 be your best year yet with LASIK at Whiting Clinic. LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, our very special guest, the book Cold Comfort, One Man's Struggle to Stop the Illegal Marketing of Powerful Opioid Drugs and Save Lives, Bruce Boise. How are you doing, Bruce? Hey, great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. And you do pronounce it Boise like Boise, right? Correct. Just wanted to make sure. Wanted to make sure I got it right. Bruce, I'm really glad to have you on the show today because I am getting so tired of uh, all the drugs that come into the United States of America in an illegal manner. Uh, one of the reasons I'm upset is one of my best friends in the world just lost his 23-year-old daughter to an opioid oh overdose. And fentanyl, I, I think. Yeah, it was fentanyl, I believe. Which is like what the most common doping agent in the world right now. So, Bruce, right. I'm going to lay back and I'm going to listen to you and I want to hear... Uh, seriously, I cannot believe we set ourselves up to be in a position where we take in how many, uh, I don't even know, would you go with pounds of drugs or how many units? or Tons. I mean, you go by the tons of drugs coming into this country, don't you? It's, it's an awful lot. I, I, it's, it's, it blows your, there, there's so much that, that when they do a raid and they, and they capture, like, for example, you talk about an opioid analog, there's several of those. Fentanyl is one of those. But you, they, I think the last one it was enough to kill 58 million people. It's crazy. Jesus. 58 million people. That's wow. scary stuff. I don't know why it's they still make scary. it. It really is. I mean, this family, Bruce, fought and fought and tried to do everything. They put her in the hospital. They put her in treatment. They did everything they possibly could. And it just, it just didn't work. She was just hell-bent on... Uh, on doing fentanyl or whatever and, and lost her life at a very, very young age. It, it, it just seems so hopeless and helpless for the parents, Bruce. Yes. It, 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 there are a lot of different advocacy groups. You know, one of those, the American Association for Treatment uh, of Opioid Dependence, A-A-T-O-D, um, really important. There's another called Setup. There, there's several of them. Another one's called Prop Physicians for Responsible Opioid Prescribing. There's a, 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 a number of those that can be really helpful for the, those parents and, and guardians and, and, and alike and caregivers. But the, the insidious thing, the despicable thing, is that the pharmaceutical company started this based on greed. Yep, they did. Absolutely. They, all the business went to China. Because the drug company, that was a China, that was a drug company thing, right? Um, what, what occurred for me is that, and just to go back in time a little bit, you know, I had two cases, and that's been 17 years now. Now what you have is that you have uh, synthetic fentanyl manufactured in Mexico and China and come into our country that way. And it's so cheap that they added to, you know, they add fentanyl to everything, mm-hmm. grass heroin, and and really what occurs with that is that unbeknownst to people that get it, they don't know that it's laced with fentanyl, or they don't know it's laced with carfentanyl, which is even more powerful. Right. And they overdose. 
Yeah, fentanyl, especially carfentanyl, is one of those things where even if the person doping it thinks that they're adding a little, you know, you add a tiny bit too much and it becomes a lethal dose. Uh, it, it, within minutes, yeah. you're gone. There's no way to control fact, for it outside of a strict laboratory setting, which right. is not where they're Correct. doping no. the drugs. No, that's a street right, drug. Exactly. Right. There's just not enough information to the, to, to the society in general about how dangerous fentanyl alone is. Two milligrams is the lethal dose mm-hmm. for fentanyl. And, and two, uh, two milligrams is like, you know, just a pin size amount. It's not very much. It uh, so how? Um, first of all, how, where does where, where does the United States of America as a government stand? Where does the where do the drug companies stand here in America? What what is what's their take on all of this? Um, I, I think that you have to look at, and one of the things I do in the book is those, those are the questions I asked about where where had been the FDA right in, in all this, uh, you know. Um, and also, uh, where are the, some of the policymakers that they talk about, you know, that we really need to do something uh, uh, about uh, the idea that we've lost 400,000-plus people since 96 in overdose for opioids. That's amazing. Uh, $500 billion is the loss to the economy for that. So. It, it's something that I, I don't think people pay attention to. That's that is actually you, you have to have people that are advocates for patients, and you have to have people that are concerned about uh, their senators and their congressmen that are doing something about this. So you were a whistleblower, right? Yes. So yes. How did you end up? Okay. So I, from reading your bio, you got involved with the Department of Justice and wore a wire. Uh, Yes. Uh, I yeah, mean, that's yes. what, how did that all, how did you get that done? Well, so what happened was that I've got 24 years in the pharmaceutical industry as a hospital rep and area manager. Then I spent 14 years in false claim cases. What happened with that is that I went to the company and I was concerned what the company was doing is that they were going off label. They were promoting off label, which is unlawful. Now, a doctor can write off label, and that's perfectly legitimate. But the promotion of a company off-label is illegal. And I thought it was an area manager that was doing it, and I didn't know that it was the company that was doing it. So all I wanted to do was just save my job and save the company. And when I knew that I was on the out, I didn't have an alternative other than to try to find somebody to go to. And a nurse called me, and she said, you can do something about it. And I said, I have no idea who to contact. Who are you going to contact? How do you contact the Justice Department? Okay. And she goes, oh, I've got somebody. They'll call you. And little did I know that it was her sister was FBI. Oh. And the FBI agent then got a hold of OCI, which is Office Criminal Investigation, which is the federal agents for the FBI. And so they contacted me. And the first meeting we had, they said, oh, you got great documentation. Yeah, they're doing this unlawfully. This is really egregious. Uh, would you wear a wire? That, that was almost the same paragraph when they met <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That's kind of scary okay, stuff. Okay, I'm going, pardon? That's scary stuff, if you ask me. Yeah, it is. But then, you know, you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. Yeah. And I wanted to stop it. So right. it's like, okay, I'll do that. You know, I thought I'd just give the documentation over and I'd be fine. And then they say, oh, no, you're going to wear a wire, okay? And, and as soon as I did that, you know, I realized that 
it, it went all the way up to the CEO, and and it, and the and the government when they do something like this, they want they want to wire wire somebody wired up for evidence because they're going to take criminal um, prosecution. Right. Okay. So so that's why the wire, um, and they were fine on, on a civil basis and a criminal basis, except one month. Were you ever worried, or did anything ever come out that the FDA knew about this and didn't do anything about it? Yeah, uh, actually, the uh, lead agent. I worked with the with the um, investigators, the federal agents, for almost two years. Wow! And 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 I was really the third to file, not the first to file. I was really the first. I really developed the case, but I, I spent so much time trying to create the case. That then, when it came time to find a lawyer and file, I was third to file, and so it was one of those things where um, you know you, I would I would probably advise somebody to you know find a lawyer right up front to protect your your rights involved. Uh, but um, yeah, that's sort of what happened with all that. So, were you ever in in physical danger? I you know I thought I could be. Um, it was, you know, a lot of money involved. Right. Um, I was, I, and as it went on, I noticed that, you know, white collar crime is basically they pay a fine, and and it's just part of doing business. Uh, if you take a drug that's an orphan drug, and you only have one hundred thirty thousand patients in the U.S., it's a small market, isn't it? If you take a drug and go off label, it becomes a billion dollar drug because you expand the market. And so they felt like the companies, and it was just more than Teflon. When they do this, it's just part of doing business. They wind up paying a $425 million fine, and they thought they were going to pay like a $900 million fine, and they were giving themselves high fives in their office when they paid four twenty-five. Oh, God. So Seriously, it, these people it, have no just, soul. Yeah, and the, and the lead agent that was with all this, he quit. He left. He was so PO'd at this that they, they could have closed the company down because, you know, it's a Schedule II drug. It's, you know, it was a drug used for breakthrough cancer pain used in a hospital only. And the reps were starting to sell it for low back pain and migraine. In fact, the second case, uh, they switched products from Actique to Fentora, and there were five overdoses right away in, in launch. And the government actually came back to me and said, would you file a second case? That's how the second case started. Jeez. God. we got to take a break. We'll be right back. You have another segment, Bruce? All right? Sure. We'll be right back with Bruce Boise, ladies and gentlemen. Family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. 
Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. We are back in the saddle again, ladies and gentlemen. Our special guest, Bruce Boise, uh, he has a book out, and my God, it's fascinating. Just the first 10 minutes, fascinating. Cold Comfort, One Man's Struggle to Stop the Illegal Marketing of Powerful Opioid Drugs and Save Lives. The book is available everywhere, of course, on Amazon, no doubt about it. Uh, pharma whistleblower exposes illegal off-label drug marketing practices that contributed to opioid epidemic uh, in uh, an explosive uh, in his explosive new book. Um, Bruce, Dr. Ralph Basham is in studio with us, and I think uh, Doctor might have a couple questions for you. Yeah, you you know, sure. Bruce, it's it's wonderful what you've done, and and it, and it's really a key part of 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 a problem that it, it, I I I have a hard time coming to grips with. Because I write uh, narcotic prescriptions all the time, and Correct. I, you know, I just have I just rarely see anybody, you know, with a problem with it. Rarely, rarely, and I have a hard time um, making the leap from what I prescribe for acute pain relief after surgery to someone dying from a fentanyl overdose that they got illegally. Right. And. Right. I, you know, I know, people make that connection, and a, and a buddy of mine, uh, he was criticizing me, and I said, well, most of the deaths are from an illegal fentanyl overdose, and it was an, and it's illegal drug use. So, you know, I, you know, how, can you explain to me how this off-label use of cephalon created that? Do you think that that created addicts that then moved on to illegal drugs? Well, they, they might have. I don't know. That okay. Per se, but okay. The, the, issue, the issue with... For example, and I think the best example of this is, is the second case that I had. Yeah. So the government came back to me and said, you know, we found out through inside information to the, to the company that the, the company wasn't going to stop its off-label promotion. And, and they had Actique, and Actique was going generic, and they had a new drug called Fentora. And so what they were going to do is that they were going to do a switch campaign. They were going to go to doctors, and they were going to have them write prescriptions to the patients that, you know, that were pain patients that um, were going to switch over from Actique to Centora. Um, what the company did, that one, is that they were going to only pay for the, the reps for the higher dose. And so the problem they got into was that they were trying to, to promote off-label for low back pain and also for migraine. And as as you all know, doctors, that Ponder yeah. indicated with uh, migraine patients. And they immediately had five overdoses. And so when that occurred, that's when the government called me back in and said, hey, would you file a second ketem case? And I said, sure. You know, first of all, I'm going, what the heck am I doing filing a second case, right? But, you know, it was the same reason why I started the first case. It was because patient lives were at risk. And and if and as you well know, doctors, you know, you don't give an opioid to a drug naive patient, and yeah. so some of these patients were drug naive, and I, some 
people that wind up getting addicted are those type patients that have had no experience. If you have a patient that maybe has had low back pain and have been on different opioids to begin with, um, they probably tolerate uh, fentanyl quite a bit better. Uh, but those are some of the things that, and I'm, I'm, I'm and it's not, it's not the physician that I, I get upset with that, that were despicable at this point. It was the company that was, was, you know, telling the physicians that you know this opioid wasn't addictive. Well, that's now. Now then, you're there, right there. You should hold physicians culpable, because all narcotics are addictive, and when you get into right. these uh, synthetic uh, opioids, they are all, they will you'll kill people with them. They're just very strong and and unpredictable. And like you say, at the University of Utah, they referred to these people as pharmacologic virgins. People that really have had no exposure. Uh, there, there was a population in Utah, uh, the religious population, the Mormons, and they, they they really you know don't drink and they're not involved with this, this drug stuff by and large. And those people will come in and you give them the same dose you give somebody uh, like yeah. me who has a couple drinks once in a while, and it's a different process. I mean, it's just way too much for these people, and, and you, you see that. So uh, the one I was always taught the dose of a drug is enough. You give enough to uh, get the, get the result. But these, you know, to to you know, when a when the when the salesperson comes into my office, and when I see that they're dressed better than I dress, I really don't <laughs> listen to them. I really don't listen to them. You know, if they roll in and they, you know, they have two thousand dollars worth of clues, uh, you know, shoes and clothes on, I kind of say, well, wait a second here. Well, what's wrong with this picture? Where are you getting all this money? You know, and I, you know, I, 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 well, I absolutely, I've, I have. Absolute distrust for the reps. I I, I never listen to them because uh, they're by and large they they don't know what they're talking about because they're not educated and they're just trying to they're just trying to move product. Yeah. That's all they're trying to do, you know. And 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 part of what went on was you know they were actually changing the DC nine code so so that a, a doctor's office the secretary would would call the rep and say, hey, um, we got this rejected for this insurance this prescription that got rejected. And the reps would have actually the DC-9 codes and, and be able to turn around and say, oh, you know, here's the DC-9 code for neuropathic pain. Mm. Put that in there, and that would get it approved. I mean, some of the, some of the tricks of the trade, it's just amazing well, what they did. Yeah, and, and you're, you know, that system has been in place for so long that people now have learned to scam it. And they code, you know, we, you know, we our society always says, "Oh, that's unethical, unethical." But it goes on all the time. How you uh, you code? You code things one way, then you get paid five hundred dollars. You code it like one code over, and you're at fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars. And it's all, and yeah. many of that's most of that's a judgment call. So yeah, I right. I, I I disagree. I think that the physicians have, do have a a certain responsibility in this because you know they want to make a living too. I mean, you don't. Right. You got to feed your kids, right. and you know, right. or you got to buy that new Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> that was equally important. Yeah. yeah, I drive. I drive a truck. Okay. So, I drive. I drive. I mean, I'm so naive. I always thought that the FDA was responsible for making sure that we don't, as the general population, just a stupid taxpayer working people, that we don't get harmed. Well, by, I mean, technically, it is. But it doesn't seem like it works. <laughs> they seize a lot I, of drugs. I, you know, and, I, and let me say this to you all with this. You know, one of the things that happened to me is that I did a journal, and I started to do a journal. And the reason at first was that 
oh my gosh, she did a journal because of Cephalon and I didn't really trust anybody. And what I noticed is that, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can trust the Justice Department. I don't know if I can trust the FDA. I don't know if I can trust the, the special agent. It was ridiculous, the cross current that you get into. I, yeah, that's what I, I. That's how I think everybody's feeling right now is that we don't know who we can trust anymore. There's no doubt about well, that. Well, you know, if you're talking, if talking about you know, 50 tons of illegal fentanyl that rolls in off uh, onto the streets, ends up being a lot of money, a lot of cash, goes to a lot of hands. Right, an, an awful lot of hands. All of, and you know, the agent that I worked with in the first case, he finally just left the FDA because. We had enough evidence that we could have stopped and closed the company, and it didn't happen. Jeez. And it should. It should happen. It should have happened. And we went into the second case, and, you know, it settled, but the company's still viable. You know, and now you've got Purdue. What happened with Purdue? Purdue the, with OxyContin. They're in receivership, I think, now. Are they? Yeah. Well, it was a... $10 billion fine, I think, on them. And then Johnson Johnson with Duragesic, I think it was around, it's a little under $300 million that they were fined. So there, there's more going on now, but it's just, you know, I guess what's, what is uh, justice delayed is justice designed. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the book, Cold Comfort, One Man's Struggle to Stop the Illegal Marketing of Powerful Opioid Drugs and Save Lives. Bruce Boise, B-O-I-S-E. Bruce, thank you so much for your time today, sir. Very, very enlightening, and thank you for putting your... Look, I admire people, men and women, who put their lives out there. They put it all on the line and do what they, they know is right. Do the right, right. thing, yes. Yeah, they did the right thing. So thank you very much for your hard work, sir. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to all of you. Thank you, sir. Bruce Boise, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back hour two.